I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God Indivisible with liberty and justice for all. afternoon good afternoon good afternoon america good afternoon the world welcome to another edition of the c report i am your host mr c also known as michael aaron gossett i hope everyone's doing well on this uh what is today are we wednesday or thursday today is wednesday isn't it it is wednesday the middle of the week ladies and gentlemen how does that make you feel does that make you feel like a sandwich anyways ladies and gentlemen it is june 28th 2023 and uh, yeah, I hope you're having a great Wednesday afternoon. And you're ready for another great edition of the Sea Report. If you're joining us live, thank you for being here. Uh, we are currently broadcasting over at Rumble. If you're following over at Rumble, and uh, thanks for being here this afternoon. Pill.net, the Foxhole.app. Thanks again, ladies and gentlemen, as well as those over at Twitch. Uh, now, uh, before we get underway with today's show, I've got a full show ahead of us today. Actually, we got two two pretty big ones coming uh, coming at us this afternoon. So we're going to talk a little bit about the America First Policy Institute, whom uh, I have spoken about uh, on this uh, broadcast in the past. So we'll get into a little bit of that. Glad to see that they're doing something for election fraud exposure and election integrity measures, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but but we will get to that, and of course, 
uh, one of our big old headlines. You know, I said it before. Now, if you guys were hanging out with me here at the Sea Report in our uh, nascent days of uh, first broadcasts, you know, we used to do a lot of stories on the state of Michigan because, you know, at least per my view, when we were talking about the 2020 stolen elections, Michigan was by far one of the worst, one of the most uh, outwardly criminal, you know. So uh, I, I kind of grew a fondness. Interesting enough, right? I grew a fondness over the state of Michigan because it was so corrupt. I was like, we have to talk about these corrupt people like wretched Gretchen Whitmer, right? Who is one of who who is not only you know very supportive of wretched Dana Nacelle and and Secretary of Snakes Jocelyn Benson over there. Right. You know, Jocelyn Benson was one of the original secretaries of snakes here over at the Sea Report. Now, the fabled tale of the secretary of state has probably diminished as far as its importance goes to my viewing audience. No, actually not to my viewing audience. OK, but maybe to other viewing audiences out there like, uh, you know, once upon a time, the secretary of state, uh, probably between nah, November 2020 and uh, let's say November 2022. Right was very important to America first, very important to the uh, voter and the American citizen who was waking up. They understood that the Secretary of State's office is, is, not was, but is, ladies and gentlemen, the frontline defender, the first one into battle when it comes to protecting our sacred vote. We started to understand that, we Americans did, as uh, the... Um, the foulness of the uh, stolen 2020 election rolled on into six months, into a year, into a year and a half, into two years. And then uh, what happens next on 2022? We have uh, we have a mythological red wave crash into the shores of America, one that apparently did not uh, did not materialize. But then we all forgot about the fraud. So. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, Jocelyn Benson was amongst the worst. The, the, I mean, you know, when she went on the air and started talking about, oh, they're, they're, they're threatening me with treason. They want to kill me. Well, I mean, Jocelyn Benson, in the practical, treason is what you committed. Now, I mean, I don't know about the state of Michigan, you know, let alone uh, where the rest of this nation might be going at this point. Right. But I'm pretty sure that they don't uh, they don't uh, they don't uh, uphold standards of capital punishment in Michigan. For some reason, I just don't think a state run by crooks could tolerate such a notion. Right. Capital punishment. Right. OK, so Jocelyn Benson don't got to be shaken in her boots for nothing. But we'll talk a little bit about Michigan today. Uh, yeah, I was going to start today's broadcast off uh, with uh, that uh, that Isaac Cappy song. Yeah, but I already gave you guys a musical bit of an interlude to start. I was trying to get a video rendered and ready to go for today's broadcast. So I was like, you know what? We did some, uh, you know, locals promos, uh, pill.net promos. Become a subscriber. By the way, if you enjoy the work that I do here, you can uh, you can hop along, ladies and gentlemen, become a subscriber uh, for this channel over at pill.net, the foxhole.app, over at Rumble by way of locals and over at Twitch. Now, you know, I'm thinking for those who are at Twitch that are subscribers there, I'll probably uh, set up a uh, 
I'll probably set up like some kind of like code where you can get into Rumbles uh, to my locals uh, C team for free. I mean, because, you know, I mean, I can't I don't really know how to post like premium content over at Twitch yet. Or maybe I just don't have enough followers. But for the, all the new followers over at Twitch, thanks for following. Thanks for coming along. We had like, a, you know, we had a little we had a small handful jump on this past week. So uh, thanks for joining the C team. Uh, well, I should say thanks for joining us at the C report over at Twitch. If you'd like to be a member of the C team, just subscribe. I'm really easy, guys. Any any form of uh, any form of support by way of a monthly, you will get access to a level a locals account. Uh, and you know, so the premium content I do here will be, uh, you know, thereabouts about on the weekends, right? Uh, this past weekend we did a premium show. Um, there was a video I was actually thinking about showing you guys in uh, with that thought in mind. Let me see if I got that one rendered on time for the show. I may not have, but no, no, no. Cause we were talking about, we were talking about a whole bunch of things actually, uh, on Sunday, if the memory can recall, right? If the memory can recall, uh, I think I had mentioned to you all maybe something about uh, Lindsey Graham, okay? And and I mean, really, it's 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 pretty bad. There was a um, a video I had seen of him uh, circulating throughout uh, throughout. Well, actually, I saw it circulating on Rum. what this uh what this video was okay so hold me let me pull the picture up real quick <laughs> let me see i know it's here somewhere okay there's the pic there's the photo du jour let me get it on the screen for you guys okay everybody we have some swamp creatures coming to the screen try not to scream okay this is this is this is picture might scar some of you guys if you're eating lunch right now i apologize okay it might repeat on you okay but check this out, okay? Check this out. So when I saw this picture, ladies and gentlemen, I was kind of like, do I even want to know? Okay, do I even want to know? I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to expand it. Hold on, it's not expanding. Expand, okay. <laughs> Gross out my audience, why don't you? Hold on, I want this thing to get big. Okay, can I, can I make this thing any bigger? Okay. <laughs> Look at that. Look, okay, okay. Is that, That's probably actually big enough for you guys, right? All of you people who had a fork or a spoon in your mouth trying to enjoy your lunch this afternoon, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't even want to know why Lindsey Graham's hand. What was he going to do, ladies and gentlemen? What was Lindsey Graham going to do? Okay, was he, uh, what, what was he playing? What, 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 what's going on in this picture? Okay, was he about, to, was, was Lindsey Graham about to put his mouth on Joe Biden's thumb? Okay, so, <laughs> I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this is the kind of stuff that you will see. Oh, uh, that's right. This is the kind of stuff that you will see on our premium streams. Uh, but, but just to demystify, okay, just to demystify, uh, what is going on here, right? Okay. One, one more time, ladies and gentlemen, ah, okay, <laughs> just to demystify, <coughs> you know, you know, I had, I had nightmares, ladies and gentlemen, after I saw that photograph. Do you know, do you know what kind of nightmares I had of, of Lindsey Graham bent over for Joe Biden? You know, 
I am scarred, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but here, here's the video. Here's the video about Lindsey Graham that was circulating on Rumble that I thought was very interesting. It made me very upset. Uh, referenced in the C-Stream episode number four, Sunday night. A drink night here on Mr. CTV. You should check it out. Why don't you? Bingley referred to as my bastard uncle, South Carolina <laughs> Senator Lindsey Graham. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Did senators and congressmen sit and do hours of investigation on these emails? No, not really. I didn't. I didn't spend any time on the Clinton email investigation, and I don't want to try her. And I don't want to try her. Can you imagine what it'd be like to go back and try your political opponent? <laughs> <laughs> what I do want to know is the system working. Your fight is our fight. All of us will go back to Washington and we will push the case against Russia. Oh, son of a bitch. Got fired. I, I'd be shocked if there's anything sinister here. The Trump campaign, they say they didn't collude. Now, you can talk to a government all you want to, but you can't sit down and get them to help you get elected. There's no evidence of colluding yet. Colluding yet? But I think Mueller should look. You got the Trump Tower meeting, where Don Jr. and a bunch of other people are meeting with several Russians. They're offering to help. I think Mueller should look at that. I am totally in agreement with everything that my colleague, Senator Graham, has just said. And the most important part of this picture is Republicans and Democrats coming together in a bipartisan way to give our wholehearted, steadfast support to Ukraine. Now, Mueller, uh, I think he's the right guy at the right time. The bottom line is we can't let anybody be above the law. One of the few Republican senators to confirm Merrick Garland was none other than Senator Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham is the only Republican who has not voted to reject a single judge the Biden administration has proposed because of Lindsey Graham, one man. Joe Biden, I've traveled the world with Joe. I hope he lost. He won. He's the legitimate president of the United States. I've had five Republican senators talk to me, who told me they agree with whatever I'm talking about. How do Republicans keep Trump <laughs> from firing Mueller? I've got legislation with Cory Booker. I've got legislation with Cory Booker. That says we should all want to protect somebody like Mr. Mueller. There is no reason to fire Mr. Mueller. Let Mr. Mueller do his job. And Mr. Trump, our president, should focus on his day job. Don't y'all believe we should, like, let Mr. Mueller yes, do his job? That's the way the game is played. So that doesn't matter. But that's the way the game is played. So that doesn't matter. An attack on one party is an attack on all. Absolutely. It is the Democrats today. It could be us tomorrow. Yeah. So in a democracy, if, if you don't have each other's back on stuff like this, then you lose control of democracy but, but itself. Does that not infuriate you, America? Does that not infuriate you? Does that not infuriate you, America? My goodness, Lindsey Graham. Okay, this is what I was going on about yesterday. Like, I would never watch The View to see a Lindsey Graham interview, you know, but when you look at it like that, you know, it's like, oh, well, maybe we should be watching enemy programs so that when the traders come out and start spilling the beans and, uh, you know, uh, trajecting their path to all of their friends in, in industry, we can figure out what the heck is going on. 
You know, you know that that last line that uh, Lindsey Graham was saying to Joy Behar, an attack on one party is an attack on all. He should have said an attack on one party is attack on the uniparty, an attack on the Democrats. It's the Democrats one day, it's the Republicans next time. An attack on one party is an attack on the uniparty. Ladies and gentlemen, disgusting, right? Disgusting. Let me tell you the nightmares I had <laughs> with this damn photograph of Lindsey Graham grabbing. Why is he grabbing Biden's thumb? Okay. What is he going to do to it? What is with those smiles? Okay. Nightmares, ladies and gentlemen. That is the stuff that nightmares are made of. Okay. At least for me. <laughs> Because trust me, ladies and gentlemen, I have an imagination, all right? Like, these are things I don't even want to think transpire or exist between these two felons. Anyways, let me get them off the screen. All right, guys, we're going to jump into some Trump truths. As per the usual, we'll be starting off today's show. President Trump's leading here at the C-Report. <clears throat> with uh, a couple of statements that he's released on his Truth Social. Uh, let's go ahead and hop right to it, ladies and gentlemen, because we've got a pretty full episode of information ahead of you this afternoon. Uh, the first President Trump truth goes this way. A big win against Letitia Peekaboo James, the Trump-hating Attorney General of New York State today. The appellate division of the New York State Supreme Court of Manhattan terminated a large portion of the case in conjunction with the DOJ and others. Pardon me. This hoax is all about election interference pertaining to the 2024 presidential election. This is a case that never should have been brought. Ladies and gentlemen, is the sentiments of President Trump, you know, and I'm sure that we could all agree. Do we know what's going on here? So uh, Letitia Peekaboo James, right, uh, you know, in her uh, in her in her blitzkrieg to destroy, ladies and gentlemen, everything uh, associated with President Trump. In her in her uh, never ending battle to ensure that President Trump is uh, always involved in some kind of criminal proceeding or witch hunt. Uh, Letitia James also was going after members of President Trump's family. It was not just President Trump. It was not just the Don himself, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, she was also going after, for example, uh, Ivanka Trump. Uh, so uh, this is actually specifically what President Trump was writing in reference to New York Attorney General's $250 million fraud lawsuit against Ivanka Trump thrown out by state appeals court. So let's just take. Internet. Hold on. There we go. Okay. All right. So, uh, all right, let's look at this. Uh, this is from New York Post. It goes like this, and uh, let's go and get that on the screen big for you. Uh, New York Attorney General Letitia James, $250 million lawsuit alleging Ivanka Trump engaged in business fraud while at the Trump Organization has been dismissed by a state appeals court. The five-judge appellate pan uh, panel ruled 
Tuesday that James claims against the former first daughter fell outside the state's statute of limitations, while more recent allegations of wrongdoing occurred after Ivanka had stepped back from the family business to work with her father in the White House. The allegations against defendant Ivanka Trump do not support any claims that accrued after February 6, 2016, the ruling said. Thus, all claims against her should have been dismissed as untimely. So it sounds like mm, it's uh, quite possible A.G. Letitia Peekaboo James <clears throat> knew that her witch hunt was out of bounds, but she still pursued it anyways, ladies and gentlemen. The court, do, would that not go towards animus, I wonder? The court also ordered that James may not sue over claims that arose before July 13, 2014 or February 6, 2016, depending on the defendant. Pictured here is uh, Donald Trump and uh, his daughter. Ivanka. A New York state appeals court has thrown out New York Attorney uh, General Letitia James' lawsuit against Ivanka Trump, alleging she engaged in fraud while working at the Trump Organization. Isn't that crazy, guys? And that's pretty. That's pretty psycho. Like, I mean, they're digging deep, ladies and gentlemen, in order to get President Trump and his family. They're digging pretty deep. So I uh, just thought I would share that uh, bit of context for you uh, in regards to that uh, truth from President Trump. Let's look at what else he's got going on. This case is all about the Presidential Records Act affirmed by the Clinton Sox case has nothing to do with the made-up tale of the Espionage Act of 1917, which has never been used. Indeed, there are a lot of holes that are coming out in this entire prosecution. You know, one of the tactics that I see being highlighted here, particularly with someone like Jack Smith, ladies and gentlemen, one of the tactics that I see that Jack Smith uses, and I guess, you know, this could go towards the leaking as well, because the leaking does does in fact <clears throat> the leaking does in fact boost ladies and gentlemen the lies and the tactics you know the leaking of information you know whether it is a recording that's uh you know meant to spin a certain uh, perspective or it's an article um or it's a a judgment or an opinion given to uh, some mockingbird mediaite, ladies and gentlemen, like they all go towards uh, uh, like really boosting, boosting the um, uh, litigatory tactic that is basically false. And we've seen this with Jack Smith, Smith I think probably the most, you know, uh, for example, leaking things that have absolutely nothing to do with the lawsuit, right? Like, we're not going to see anything in the lawsuit about the Espionage Act, nothing in the arraignment or the proceedings have to do with confidential documents, right? Like, none of these things have weight when we're looking at the actual lawsuit. We see that in Jack Smith's previous case history. He did the same things with, like, well, who was the last president that he arrested, right? That was the president over there in uh, the Baltic uh, area of the world, right? Europe. So I don't know. I don't remember if it was Lithuania. Oh, it was Kosovo, wasn't it? It was the Kosovar. I think it was Kosovo, right? Anyway, so we see that Jack Smith did had the same type of tactics over there 
throwing out all of these allegations that do not even wind up in any of the uh, arraignment, the proceedings, the charges, nothing. Okay. And that's exactly why the mainstream, mainstream, mockingbird propaganda, legacy press media, ladies and gentlemen, the fake news needs to spin these stories. That's why they need to keep our weekends full with Titanics and, uh, you know, uh, Pergozins, ladies and gentlemen. So that this way we're quite, we're quite, um, <clears throat> we're quite insulated from uh, actually seeking out things that are relevant and uh, could actually move the needle forward on our side of the computer screen okay on our side of the computer screen all right next uh, truth from president trump goes this way why did deranged jack smith and the doj fbi leak a tape to fake news cnn phony spin and all will they be prosecuted for this illegal act pure scum to that point, to the point of leaking information just to get a heads up spin, right? They want a heads up tail spin. They want to really, uh, you know, uh, get that uh, wrap up smear campaign fortified. They want to shape the, uh, I shouldn't even say shape. They want to manipulate the uh, face of public opinion. And that's really what all these tactics are about. You know, if anything, I would say these tactics they could get away with, you know, maybe once, maybe twice, fool me thrice, then heck, maybe I deserve what I get. But we are learning as we see what they're doing, ladies and gentlemen, you know, just as anti-slaps are a thing in some states, I'm sure this whole leakage thing is going to be handled in, in, in quite the same fashion. It has to be, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, it's downright unlawful exactly what they're doing these these um these different uh tactics that they that they employ in order to uh, uh spin and uh put their political enemies in the pen that they want them to be in right here's another truth from president trump three people in new hampshire asked me why fox news uses such horrible pictures of me <laughs> Well, let me tell you why I use horrible pictures of people whenever I do stories, especially the ones that I don't like, okay? <laughs> Man, what I used to do to people like Jocelyn Benson and to, you know Jocelyn Benson's reptilian, right? Okay, wait, 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 wait. Don't let me get off on a tangent, okay? This isn't the woo hour, right? Okay, let me get back to President Trump's statement. Three people in New Hampshire asked me why Fox News uses such horrible pictures of me when doing or promoting a story. The coloring, distortions, everything are just so bad. They must sit and look at 100 different shots and then take the 10 absolute worst. Okay, I gotta stop here again because <laughs> whenever I would go looking for someone, okay, because you know, when I put my stories together, obviously, if we're talking about a swamp creature, I'm not gonna find a flattering photo of them, okay? <laughs> it's just, but fortunately, you know, and like I said, I typically use DuckDuckGo because, uh, I mean, whatever, right? Like, uh, <laughs> They offer very, very helpful photos, at least for my cause, right? Okay, look, I can give you a good example, okay? 
<laughs> All right, duck, duck, go. Don't fail me now. Okay, so just so you guys can see. Now, when I go see, now this is another thing that you might see on the premium broadcast, like on the weekends on the C stream, ladies and gentlemen, when I start putting my shows together, I will go procure photos. Now I just typed in Katie Hobbs and look at what DuckDuckGo, look at the plethora of beautiful images. I've got, look at, we've got Katie Hobbs in her Sonic the Hedgehog lesbian hair days. Okay. I mean, come on. Like this is great stuff here. Okay. So thank you, DuckDuckGo. If there's any other reason why you should get off Go Ogle, it's because you can get really fun pictures on. Look at, I've you probably used all of these pictures. Look at another Sonic the Hedgehog. She looks like she's got that was that was Katie Hobbs back when she was sporting the Sonic the Hedgehog lesbian hairdo. Okay, look at this is when she was on crack. <laughs> Okay, look, look at this. This is before she joined Jenny Craig. Okay, look at, they're not doing any favors for, you see, they're not doing any favors for Katie Hobbs on DuckDuckGo. Okay. <laughs> anyway, look at these pictures. Look at, and now Katie Hobbs is like this. She's like, how dare you? How dare you talk about me like that? How dare you show my ugly lesbian hairdo Sonic the Hedgehog spike hair? You see, like, President Trump, yeah, they probably do pick out the 10 worst. They probably definitely do not use DuckDuckGo, right? <laughs> okay, let me take her off the screen. Uh, let me take her off the screen, okay? The 10 worst pictures, right, President Trump? The absolute 10 worst pictures, okay? President Trump says, my staff has even complained about it for months, but to no avail. Fox is just bad news, but I'm leading in the polls by record numbers, so perhaps their bull is just not working. They are down 30%, 37% for a reason. Okay. <clears throat> Pardon me. All right, guys. Love a good laugh mid-afternoon. I tell you what, I can always depend on Katie Hobbs's old lesbian spiky hair picks to give me a good laugh anyways okay all right guys so you know president trump i don't know what's up with that also i mean you know i pick i pick the most foulest of pictures for you know specific reasons i i wouldn't doubt that they're not the same <laughs> Here's another statement for President Trump. Great poll numbers this morning. Ron DeSanctimonious might as well turn around and head back to Florida where they don't see him at all lately. <laughs> yeah, because he's gallivanting around the United States of America trying to be president, right? He's walking his baby nuts around the block. Oh, he's going to get sent back pretty quick. Anyways, he is wasting his time, President Trump. Ron was elected governor not to spend all of his time campaigning for another position. It reminds me of sloppy Chris Christie. Well, never mind. He was governor of New Jersey and then virtually moved to New Hampshire to campaign for president. He drew flies, quit the race, enthusiastically endorsed me, but became very unpopular in New Jersey. 9% approval. Do you guys really think he's got 9% approval, Chris Christie? You know, because if Chris Christie has 9% approval, that means that potentially... Mike Pence has a higher approval rate. I just don't really see that happening right now. 
I mean, unless they're polling establishment voters, you know, and, and rhino voters, that would probably be about the only way of it, I think, anyways. So, you know, right, Ron DeSanctimonious is going to continue, uh, you know, trotting around the United States of America. You know, eventually, Low Energy Jeb will realize that he's not bringing in any money for their coffers. No point in keeping Ron DeSanctimonious around, right? President Trump's next truth says, please remember that the only reason I was indicted, election interference, is because the Democrats don't want to run against me. They weaponize the DOJ and FBI. I am beating crooked Joe Biden in virtually every poll and easily beat him in the last election. But the election was rigged. In 2016, it was the same thing, spewed from the mouths of the same failed pundits and losers. They said I could not beat Hillary. How did that work out? Doug Schoen of Fox News should get a new playbook. Indeed, ladies and gentlemen, indeed. Election interference is what it's all about. Election interference is what this is all about. Next Trump truth. If I was not running for president or if I was losing badly in the polls, I am winning by record numbers and against Biden also. I would never have been fake indicted. Likewise, if the very corrupt Democrats truly wanted to run against me, I would not have been indicted. It is all a badge of honor and courage. I'm being indicted for you, America. <laughs> Don't you forget about it, okay? Anyways, what other president's been indicted for us, ladies and gentlemen? Okay, now some people are going to be like, okay, wait, Mr. C., you're saying that because this person's indicted that they're not the establishment deep state? <laughs> well, you know, my brother, you're going to have to figure that out one for yourself. Okay, so here's a fun one. And this uh, next following Trump truth will actually get us going into the rest of today's show. So let's take a look at it. We're going to do this one first because I actually for some reason, feel like this is kind of significant. You know, to some people out there, this might not mean diddly squat to anybody. But for some reason, to me, I'm like, is it a coincidence? It's pretty big to me, right? Not, not to get stuck on the race and the slavery, uh, you know, overtures that we uh, suffer most uh, days this uh, era. President Trump says, President Joe Biden and every living president except Donald Trump are direct descendants of slaveholders. Jimmy Carter, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, and through his white mother's side, Barack Obama. Reuters. I hope that every African American in our country is reading this right now, says President Trump. Remember. Okay. Now, you know, to me, while this might not seem significant to many people, to me, this is a very significant thing, ladies and gentlemen. 
It's very significant. What are the odds? What is the coincidence that all these people who are on the establishment globalist team, right? The predatory class where Donald Trump is uh, being put into the same type of category, which I mean, by his tax bracket, he belongs in that category, right? But what are the odds that of all of those people who we recognize as enemies of this nation, people that we recognize as individuals who want to destroy this republic once and for all, what are the odds that when it comes to the family history of the Trump family line, they too also stand in opposition to the norm of this predatory elite class? And, and basically caste system, almost, it seems like that, right? What are the odds? What are the odds that President Trump's family would not? You would think that like if Trump were a fake, right? Or if Trump were, you know, not who they say he is, that you would still see it in his bloodline. You would still see it in his family history of where these people were and who they were working with. Do we have history? of the Trumps and the Prescotts and the Bushes and the Morgans and all those people colluding and working together, do we? Is this something that was uh, skillfully and masterfully erased from our history? Just like all of these supposed Putin-like things that he's done so evilly and wickedly throughout his entire existence, but yet no one seems to have any trace or story or evidence of these. Was is it really possible if Russia is as 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 inept and as as much as a gas station as they are that they were able to erase all of the sins of Putin? But we can't find any. Not even your favorite federal uh, patriots can uh, can get you information on that. You know what I mean? So even this is to me, this is another, you know, a feather in the cap to vote for President Trump. I mean, this speaks to his family history as well, you know. So this is going to be another hard one to fight unless, again, they've rewritten history and they're just lying to us. I mean, after all, Reuters is the one who put this report out. Isn't Reuters CIA? So what are they doing? Are they trying to make the not so obvious elite even more so not obvious? Is this a lie? I don't know, you know. So use your discernment, ladies and gentlemen, whenever we're going into this topic. But I wanted to I wanted to look at this and share this with the audience today. Um, and we'll do this before we jump into the election stuff. Now, for an interesting point of view, since I just threw Putin and uh, Putin and Russia into the mix, um, I actually wanted to share with you. This is I found this article over at RT first. Right. So uh, I wanted to share with you guys how they did this write-up, right? And then we'll look at the Reuters uh, write-up in just a minute, but just check this out. So this is how RT uh, um, this is how RT shared this information. Trump only living U.S. president not descended from slaveholders, Reuters. An ancestor of Joe Biden owned an enslaved 14-year-old boy, according to a genealogical genealogical study. Five of the six living U.S. presidents are direct descendants of slaveholders, according to an investigation by Reuters published on Tuesday. The comprehensive study released just days after the country celebrated the Juneteenth federal holiday on June 19th, which commemorates the emancipation of American African slave African American slaves, details that Donald Trump is the only living current or former U.S. head of state not to have familial links to slavery. And how appropriate that they release this just past the eve of Juneteenth, right? 
It says the ancestors of current President Joe Biden, as well as Barack Obama, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, and Jimmy Carter are all descended from slaveholders, the report states. Obama links to slavery are on his mother's side of his family, according to the study, which examined the extended genealogies and census data of those who occupy Washington's halls of power. Census records indicate that Biden's great-great-great-grandfather was in possession of an enslaved 14-year-old boy in 1850, according to the report. The White House did not comment on Biden's purported ancestral links to slavery. Trump's ancestors immigrated to the U.S. Uh, from Germany in 1885, Reuters says. Two decades after slavery was abolished by the U.S. Congress, the study also found that last year 11 of 50 governors of U.S. states had similar links to slavery, as do two sitting U.S. Supreme Court justices, Amy Coney Barrett and Neil Gorsuch. Within the ranks of Congress, the report details that Republicans are around three times more likely to have ancestral links to slavery. Of the GOP contingent, 28% have such ties compared to 8% of Democrats, figures that reflect Republican backing in the South, which by the time of the U.S. Civil War in the 1860s had a far, far higher concentration of support for the slave trade compared to the North. The research also shows that the ancestors of U.S. lawmakers were among the wealthiest people in the country at the time, with three quarters being considered to be in the richest 10% of Americans in advance of the abolition of slavery. Polling data conducted by Reuters, uh, Ipsos, in conjunction with the report, saw 23% of respondents indicate that a political candidate ancestral tie, candidate's ancestral ties to slavery could influence their voting patterns. Democrats are more likely not to vote for such a candidate compared to Republicans, the data indicates. So that's really interesting, huh, ladies and gentlemen? You know, now I can imagine that there are a lot of people out there who would may not want to touch a story like this because they don't want to sound like they're pushing the race card. But this is this is the kind of story where we have to differentiate from the fake news influencers, right, to the real news, okay? Like, this is a story that we should be able to talk about, ladies and gentlemen, because this is an angle uh, that is always thrown at President Trump, you know? And, you know, we'll see. I mean, with a story like this, do you think they're really going to be able to use the race card against President Trump coming up in 2024? I mean, if enough of us were aware of this and activated to this type of a story, then we would we would be able to basically uh, we would be able to uh, uh, we would be able to uh, uh, what do you call it? Disarm any arguments that people are going to try and use. I mean, it's been seven or eight years already, America. If you were going to find some hardcore racist uh, evidence on President Trump, you would have found it by now, even if it was a recording from like the 1980s, ladies and gentlemen, you would have found it by now. I'm pretty sure. Maybe not, but it seems to me that that could be the case. Uh, but looking at this real quick, uh, we won't go through the entire thing. I just wanted to share this with you guys. I thought it looked kind of neat. So this was the Reuters report. Okay. So, uh, I mean, it's pretty cool here. Like, it has this graphic. It says, among America's political elite, Reuters found that five living presidents, and that's the five highlighted there. 
Um, it goes down, right? Does it go down? Yeah. Two Supreme Court justices highlighted there, Amy Comey Barrett and uh, Gorsuch. Uh, and then it says 11 governors, ladies and gentlemen, 11 governors as heads of state. Interesting. And I don't see, I don't see Greg Abbott there. I don't know. Do you see your governor? I see Asa Hutchinson there. I see, uh, I see uh, the dude from Virginia. What's his name again? Uh, the guy from Virginia. Uh, his name, uh, it fails me, but he, there he is. He's, he's a, but you know, like, again, we're like, we're not, we're not, we're not looking at this ladies and gentlemen to be like, Ooh, racism or to even put, you know, a quill in the hat of anyone who thinks about racism. But you know, these are all swamp creatures, right? These are all people who are elite predators, uh, you know, in this nation. Okay. And, uh, it, it makes perfect sense to me that they would have these roots. Okay. And then 100 legislators, including Liz Cheney. I see her face in there. Okay, so, uh, oh, that's it. There's Lindsey Graham's face is in there. John Cornyn's face is in there. Yeah, all descendants of uh, slave owners. I just think it uh, speaks to their uh, family history, ladies and gentlemen. So let's see what else. Uh, it says they were all descended from people who enslaved black people. Uh, America's family secret, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then it goes on. It goes on to talk. It, it disseminates more of that information. So uh, let me see here. I was wondering, I was curious actually about. So uh, 11 of the 50 U.S. states were descendants of slateholder governors. Okay. They include eight chief executives of the 11 states that formed the Confederate states interesting, which seceded and waged war to preserve slavery. Two are seeking the Republican nomination for President Asa Hutchinson and Doug Burgum of North Carolina, I mean, North Carolina, North Dakota. Interesting. Very interesting. South Carolina, where the Civil War began, illustrates the familial ties. Uh, let's see here. It says uh, the state's two black members of Congress, Senator, Repu Senator and Republican presidential candidate Tim Scott, and Representative James Clyburn, a powerful Democrat, Democrat, have forebears who were enslaved. Interesting. Very interesting. So, yeah, I thought that was, uh, I mean, for the President Trump part, and then kind of to illustrate to me, I think I can conject that way. If you used to own a slave in your family line, you're probably a member of the establishment elite, right? Let's just throw a blanket on that. Why don't we, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> Anyways, let's just throw a blanket on that. So I thought that was an interesting, uh, an interesting thing to uh, kind of jump into today in regards to what's going on with President Trump. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, President Trump. His family did not own slaves. What do you think about that, America? Chew on that fat, why don't you?
Alrighty, guys, that's going to move us into some of our stories for today. We'll be talking Michigan, Arizona. For sure, this afternoon, for the remainder of the show, we'll be doing some election stories. Just wanted to say hello again real quick to everyone hanging out there with us live this afternoon. Aurelius Locke, I see you, sir. Hope you are enjoying the show. Thanks for being here. Subpack Vet, good to see you, brother. Glad to see you in the audience. Hope you and yours are doing wonderful today. Uh, Sean Joe, member of the C-Team, thanks for hanging out. Thank you for gifting the cookie, Sean Joe. Sean Joe says, I was shocked to see Graham at the Faith and Freedom Conference stuffing his white, <laughs> stuffing his, excuse me, I was going to say white face, stuffing his face while Trump was speaking. Isn't that crazy, Sean Joe? You know, that's what I was saying. That's why, like, on Sunday night when we were doing the C-Stream, um, you know, uh, we were talking about Ralph Reed, the guy who puts together the Faith and Freedom Freedom Conference, right? And, you know, the, the thing that I noticed about him, right, as, um, <clears throat> what's the word, as, uh, as charismatic as he is, right, he, he clamped down before everything started. Did you guys notice that? Go back to the beginning of the Faith and Freedom Coalition Conference or whatever it was called. And listen to what Ralph Reed, the organizer and founder of this thing, says. He tells the audience, now I know, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, okay, but he basically says, I know everyone here is not, you know, in line with all the speakers for today. But just as Jesus would be, give them grace and be patient and listen. I mean, he used religion to stop people from booing Lindsey Graham and Mike Pence, okay? No one there would want to see, I mean, I'm pretty sure every presidential candidate except for Trump would have gotten booed off that stage if it hadn't been for Ralph Reed shutting him up at the beginning of that conference. But hey, Ralph Reed's not going to make any money if he can't have establishment uh, rhinos speaking at his conference, right? And I know we can put it in the guise of like, oh, well, we got to give everyone a voice. We got to make it fair, blah, blah, blah. And I get it because that's what we've been wanting for so long. But, you know, when we recognize obvious traitors and enemies within the ranks versus those who have a proven track record, it's frustrating, isn't it? It's frustrating that we still have to deal with these establishment types these rhino donors and rhino organizations and we have to put up with it and we have to uh, we have to be diplomatic about our choices as Americans even though we know it's an enemy standing on the stage lying to us bold-faced gaslighting deceiving us it is frustrating guys yeah so to your point Mr. Sean Joe I was also shocked TW Webs 1111 is hanging out good afternoon uh, T.W. Webb says, I did not know Benson was reptilian. <laughs> uh, Whitmer, I knew about being one. Uh, T.W. Webb's 1111 says, I moved out of Michigan because the corruption is too great and no one I knew cared or believed it was real. That is a very sad story, T.W. Webb's. I don't know where you are about these days, but I hope it is much better. But you know, I mean, we were following Michigan stories here on the Sea Report a lot. And then, you know, it kind of got a wash after, uh, I mean, after like 2022 is going on. You know, I didn't even get to keep up with everything that was going on in Michigan during 2022. And I know that they had court proceedings. I know that there were hearings. 
I didn't even get to catch up with all of that, but very corrupt have always recognized wretched Gretchen Whitmer and especially Jocelyn Benson as some of the most corrupt. Now, you know, I used to make fun of the wretched. I, I call them the wretched, uh, the wretched sisters three, right? The wretched sisters, three wretched, uh, wretched Dana Nacelle, wretched, wretched Gretchen Whitmer and wretched secretary of snakes, Jocelyn Benson. I used to make fun of them about, you know, like them and Katie Hobbs and, uh, and Jenna Griswold all getting together for like, you know, <laughs> it's not happy hour yet. So I'm not going to go there. I didn't know Dana Nacelle was a lesbian though. Shoot. Anyways. Okay. I was just joking. Okay. Um, but let me tell you what TW Webb's Jocelyn Benson is. She is a reptile. Now we've actually done three or four photo exposés here on the Sea Report. I, we're talking about jo we're talking about Michigan, right? Do you guys want to see Jocelyn Benson snake eyes? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I've shown at least three. This goes back to the photographs. TW Webb's. We were talking about the photographs. <laughs> And uh, what do you call it? You can see her snake eye in, in the photographs. Let me see if I can find a good one for you real quick. I'll just, I'll prove it to you. It's it's like this all the time. It's like her left eye, I think. Her left eye is always in, uh, okay, I take it back. It's her right eye. But you know, it's actually, uh, to be to be fair, it's actually, uh, it's actually probably a genetic thing, you know? Because it's always like this. And I was always like, why didn't anyone, why don't any of the woo-woo people ever jump in and be like, Jocelyn Benson's like, a, she's a serpent, right? Like, look at, do you see? That's that, I am pretty sure that's that genetic disease. But, you know, every photo I see her eyes like, like serpentine, right? So I started saying she was, uh, again, th thank you, duck, duck, go. Okay. <laughs> do you want to compare her two eyes? Okay. Do you see one is round and one is not? Okay. And by the way, uh, T.W. Webb's awesome for um, contacting Briscoe. What did you tell Briscoe Kane? I'm curious, right? You're like, hey, Briscoe. You're like, hey, Representative K There's some guy over here talking about you. <laughs> I wonder. Anyways, let me get Benson off the screen. Okay. All right. Okay. Good chatting with you guys. Good chatting with you. Thanks for being here live. Thanks for, oh, you wrote to Briscoe Kane, but you're in California. Hey, you know what? God bless you. More power to you. <laughs> you went from Michigan to California, TW Webs. Okay. Anyway, something seems a little suspect right here. <laughs> Aurelius Log says, scissor fight. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. Okay. Um, TW Webb says there is no politics in Michigan. It's just corruption in every court, every institution. You know, I feel for you. I feel for you. Like I, we were shared those stories. Like when the uh, Michigan Senate released their 2020 um, election um, fraud report, that was a joke and it was a shame. Anyhow, I couldn't believe it. Right. Because like I was watching some of those senators fight so hard for the people of Michigan over things like COVID, but they put up absolutely no fight when it came to um, um, fighting election fraud and securing elections. And, you know, to that point, the, we're, we're right on that same track with this story. Now, apparently uh, the Michigan state legislature is getting ready to just totally abolish 
any form of true election integrity in their state by way of legislation. It's a terrible, terrible fact. We had to share it. I mean, that's why I said we got, we've got quite a full show because uh, there's going to be a lot of information sharing for this episode. So uh, if you are a, a voter in Michigan, uh, this, um, this uh, portion, this segment is definitely for you. A powerful open letter to Michigan lawmakers as they vote this week to destroy every last hope for election integrity. The greatest threat to the survival of our children and grandchildren is systemic election corruption. You know, and this is a hardcore fact, right? Like, you know, I would put election concerns over concerns of things like the Federal Reserve Central Bank of America. Now, talk to me. 50 years ago, before I even existed, right? And I might have said to you that getting rid of the Fed was more important than fixing our elections. Flash forward to 2023, and no, I'm sorry. We need to fix our elections, right? You know, even, even we can have as many actors coming out talking about human trafficking and talking about child sex trafficking. Heck, we're going to do another installment of the Franklin cover-up on our channel probably tonight, ladies and gentlemen if not tomorrow night, but to that point, if our elections are fake and fraudulent, as the reality of the matter is beginning to rise within our consciousness, you know, as we're finding all of the election fraud pieces and we're putting them together and we're getting an idea of the scope and how big this tapestry of election fraud and rigging and deceit actually is, it's beginning to become more realistic to us that these whole thing, the whole thing is just rigged in fraud. I mean, maybe not all 100% of every jurisdiction, precinct, county, state, maybe not 100% of them are wrapped up in fraud, but I'm willing to bet, conservatively speaking, 95 to 99% are, ladies and gentlemen. We cannot fix anything in this nation. So as long as we have fake rigged elections with fraudulent leaders who really don't give a damn and who can only act the part so far before they are called up to bat and expose themselves for who they really are. And that's what we're seeing in this day and age. In this nation, ladies and gentlemen, everyone else is probably far more gone than we are. We're holding on. So let's see. We have an open letter to these Michigan lawmakers. Let's see. This was published over at 100% Fed Up. Again, it was an open letter to both Michigan's Democrat and Republican legislators as they're about to legislate away election integrity. It's a crazy story about how, well, it's not even just crazy. It, it is crazy to see how when we allow our legislature legislators to go so far, when we keep them unchecked, when we don't hold them accountable. And I'm not saying that the people of Michigan have not held or attempted to hold these people accountable. We were with them when they were sending thousands of affidavits to the Secretary of Snake's office, Jocelyn Benson, right? We were with the people of Michigan on this show when they were fighting through their hearings and when they were uh, litigating between 2020 and 2021, right? So we know that the people of Michigan, and one of the things I've always said about whenever looking at the spectrum of uh, different organizations and groups is that Michigan has a bunch of election integrity 
and patriot group. So it's not like the people aren't trying, but I think it's just that the system is so overrun by corrupt individuals and the system so rigged probably for so long that uh, it's hard for grassroots and those with pure intentions to actually move the needle. And we're seeing this happen. I'm sure that they're up in arms in Michigan over bills like this, but they still seem to be going through, it seems. Now, the uh, open letter goes like this. I'm going to read straight through. There's a lot of startling points in this letter. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I might commentary, but uh, for the most part... Um, We'll read straight through. So it goes this way. Election integrity activists across Michigan are deeply concerned. Your Senate and House Democrats blitzkrieg of Prop 2 bills and bills put forth under cover of Prop 2 threatens to alter the fabric of our election system. Democrat strategists are directing you to rush these bills through in hopes of blowing past any debates in what appears to this election integrity activist to be a thinly veiled plan to facilitate election fraud in this state. Of course, you won't be committing the fraud, but your legislation will greatly increase its likelihood and extent. Is that a, is that a fair characterization? Not absent a review of what's in the bills and how they might be expected to harm election integrity in Michigan. So let's test the hypothesis that you are, whether knowingly or not, facilitating election fraud in the state of Michigan. Democrat House and Senate Election Bill Analysis Hypothetically, if the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they might write, sponsor, and gavel through bills that, at every phase of the election process, made things easier for organized vote fraud perpetrators. Is that why your eight bills voted on last week and four more in the on-deck circle do just that? If these are all signed into law, it will make Michigan even more vulnerable to existing systemic election corruption. If the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they might extend even beyond their authority under the Michigan Constitution to weaken the state's election laws. Is that why you took legislative license, far overextending the breach Prop 2 made in our election security guardrails? If the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they might stretch out the voting process from a single election day, making it impossible to staff the polls with enough challengers who, unlike poll workers, are unpaid volunteers. Is that why your bills permit from 9 to 29 days clerk's choice of early voting, turning election day into election month? If the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they might funnel as many voters to the voting methods most susceptible to fraud, voting by mail. Is that why your HB 4699 created a single application for voters to automatically receive absent voter uh, ballots for all future elections as long as they live, unless they submit a signed request to rescind it or stop voting for six straight years? Okay, so pausing there, guys, you already see uh, basically a total like breakdown of everything that uh, people fighting to uh, people who are fighting election fraud by way of legislation, what we've been fighting for. You see how that's a total breakdown, right? 30 day, a month long early voting. Okay. And then the breakdown in that, right? 
Okay, and then we have this this next one here, where uh, where you see you receive automatic ballots as long as you're in the system, unless you opt out. And hey, if you decide to stop voting one year, and that was the first year that you uh, you are not opted out, you got five more years you're not voting. They're going to still be sending you ballots because you're on that list for six years. That's pretty crazy, right? Now, I will say, I think that, um, I don't know, I guess depending on who's reading this letter, might have, they might have taken some wind out of their cells by attacking the Democrats. They should have made this a nonpartisan open letter. Because it says here, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just saying, okay, and maybe I'm being picky. It says an open letter to Democrats and Republican legislators, right? And but yet they're only addressing this as if though it's the Democrats who are perpetrating it when the state of Michigan actually has a house that is rather reflective of total fraud and deception. Right. So it, it, this really should be both addressed to both the Republicans and the Democrats. The Republicans, after all, allowed the fraud to happen and today allowed them to get away with it in 2020 and did nothing about it. You know, I'm just saying. But anyways, OK, so it says here. Um, it says here, if the Democrats, uh, sought to facilitate, oh wait, we already wrote to that one. Now it says here, now it says here, hear this America. If the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they might make it easier for organized vote fraudsters to bring third world style ballot stuffing to America. Is that why you sponsored SB 0372, which not only mandates the placement of drop boxes in every community, it will remove the existing video monitoring requirement and change the clerks may video monitor to, oh, it may change it to clerks may video monitor drop boxes. And could that be why you removed requirements that clerks count and log the number of ballots arriving from those drop boxes each day? making it impossible for challengers to spot suspicious spikes in Dropbox usage. Now that's crazy also, guys. So this one removes chain of custody, basically. It requires a Dropbox in every community with optional video monitoring and no chain of custody. In other words, if they go and have a pickup or delivery that day, they don't have to count the ballots and mark it on the paper, how many ballots they picked up, what day, what time, and who picked it up. That's all being erased, okay? Like, can we just call Michigan Venezuela? I mean, this is pretty crazy, guys. This is, I cannot believe that this stuff is even being considered. And will Michigan be the gateway state for the rest of the states to follow suit, right? I mean, I'm surprised they're not, they haven't done this in California yet, right? Okay, letter continues. If the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they might remove current mandates that require posting the total number of AV ballots received in the election by the close of polls. This law, violated by Detroit on November 8th, 2022, when followed, prevents extra ballots from being quietly added to the totals in the early morning hours after the polls close. Is this why SB 0372 also removes the current requirement that clerks post the total numbers of AV ballots returned in the election before 9 p.m. on election day? More abolishment of chain of custody, ladies and gentlemen. If the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they might allow the use of insecure methods of 
to transmit ballots from military and non-military Americans overseas. Is that why your HB 4210 would allow not only uniformed, but any qualified overseas voters to email, that's not a misprint, their voted ballot to their Michigan clerk? The bill explicitly requires a disclaimer be signed by the overseas voter accepting that the secrecy of the absent voter ballot may be compromised during the duplication process. Maybe this disclaimer, disclaimer is required because the co-chair of Michigan's Cybersecurity Advisory Committee, University of Michigan professor J. Alex Halderman, wow, testified last week that HB 4210 would seriously undermine the security of Michigan elections. Wow, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, that is pretty crazy. These people in Michigan are acting totally against reason and logic, ladies and gentlemen. They are acting totally against reason and logic. This is insane. I can't even believe I'm reading this stuff, ladies and gentlemen. It says, if the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they might reduce the number of challengers watching each AV ballot counting board, making it harder for them to identify fraud or other violations of election law. Is that why your Senate Bill 0387 reduces the number of challengers permitted to overseas election workers to a ratio of one challenger per six to eight election inspectors? This will make it impossible to have one challenger per counting board table per political party, as in the past. Secretary of Snakes Jocelyn Benson, who, per Democrat Senator Jeremy Moss, assisted in the drafting of these bills, is still appealing her loss in court that blocks her attempt to make challenges subject to the whims of election inspectors instead of unfettered observers of their work. If the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they might try to counter the challenger's victory in court under appeal. To permit the use of video-slash-audio recording inside a counting board by cynically changing the law, is that why your SB 0387 slips an added clause into the oath challengers must take? I shall not photograph or audio or video record within the counting place. That is crazy. Now they're going to make it illegal to actually view or monitor. Well, I should say photograph, audio or video record. That's crazy. If the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they might want to reduce nosy challengers rights any way they could. Is this why your SB 0387 struck from the law the challenger's right protected under 168.730-168.734 during the crucial ballot pre-processing period? The pre-processing uh, was itself an outrageous security lapse passed last October, the Anne Boleyn Law, that allows ballot envelopes to be slit open and remain vulnerable to potential tampering two nights in a row right before the elections. What is going on in Michigan? What is going on in Michigan? What is going on in Michigan? Okay, <laughs> like what the hell? Can we get some help to Michigan, please? Okay, <laughs> like, I mean, come on. I mean, back in the day, I felt like I was one of the only ones talking about Michigan. Now I'm like, crap, I shouldn't have turned my eyes away. No, just kidding. <laughs> what the heck, Michigan? Wow. Okay. Okay. This is insane, y'all. Okay. Uh, the letter goes on this way. 
right? I think this is more than an SOS at this point, ladies and gentlemen. If the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they might pass legislation to threaten challengers with prosecution for merely doing their job, making them less likely to volunteer in future elections. Is that why your HB 4129 would make it a felony if you do or say something that frightens an election worker or makes that worker perceive in the worker's own mind that he or she is being harassed, thus placing an innocent challenger at the mercy of an overly sensitive or malicious election inspector? Fair question, right? If the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they might remove the challenged ballot requirements for voters who don't show ID. Is that why HB 4567 does exactly that? So even if the clerk staff identifies a suspected and eligible voter, his or her vote will still be counted? Good luck to canvassers seeking to delete those votes when at least one jurisdiction, Detroit, November 2022, refused to follow Michigan's election laws challenge procedure of writing the ballot number on the challenge ballot before the stub is removed. This ensures that the ballot can never be found and backed out of the vote count if the voter later proves to be ineligible. Added bonus, this will continue to let all those thousands of Detroit ballots that don't show up in the poll books, as in 2020 and in 2022, to go effectively unchallenged. If the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they might restrict signature verification to inside the clerk's office only, where they don't permit challengers and prohibit any further signature evaluations by other workers, such as the AVCB, where challengers are present. Uh, is that why SB 0387 explicitly prohibits any additional signature verifications of AV ballots by election inspectors at counting boards or precincts? If the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they might relax the ID requirements where possible. Is that why SB 0373 relaxes the photo ID requirement to include IDs from any? educational institution? That's right. Not just a state-mandated ID, but you could use your school ID, apparently in Michigan as well. If the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they might pass provisions that centralize the counting of votes. Is that why you made no limit to the number of precincts present at an AV counting board location, paving the way for more townships and cities to send their ballots to large counting boards and away from the local citizen volunteer counting the votes? Is that also why you increase the number of active registered voters in a single election precinct from 2,999 to 5,000 active registered voters? See, now I got to say that is another trip up, right? I mean, what you want to do is you want to keep it in the precinct. Now, I, I'm aware of how this works myself in my county, Bear County. They do the same crap, right? I can, I can live on the eastern border of the county and I can go vote on the western border of the county. I can go vote I can go vote anywhere in my county. I don't have to stay in my precinct. My precinct I walk to whenever I go and vote, right? I mean it's like 5 minutes away or less by foot. You know, so like uh, but that's the big thing is when you take it out of the individual precincts and then it becomes into a more centralized process where you get more ballots going in there's more room for fraud. There's more room for error, ladies and gentlemen. Whereas when, of course, you have it in your own precinct, it's a very limited number. It's very finite. 
It's very manageable with volunteers, you know. So if you think about it, getting everything back down to your precinct and having an election day holiday, and I'll even say it, or two, right, could be very beneficial. It could be very beneficial because then we could get more volunteers who will go and help with the count with a very manageable vote count, ladies and gentlemen. And that would be because it's within the precinct, as it should be. None of this, everyone in the county sends your votes to the same place. No, I don't think so. That becomes unmanageable and it leaves room for fraud or malfeasance. If the Democrats, says the letter, sought to facilitate fraud, they might make auditing election results more difficult. Is that why your SB 0387 would require tabulators to accept ballots from any precinct in the jurisdiction? Of course, jumbling up ballots from multiple different precincts makes the paper trail that much harder to follow. If the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they might keep incarcerated people on the voter rolls. Is that why you've introduced SB 0033, which would do just that, enabling perpetrators of organized fraud to keep uh, to keep the voter rolls brimming with ineligible voters whose voting identities can be stolen by a utilization of their names in on illegal ballots, which can be placed in drop boxes. No questions asked. Maybe that's why our Secretary of Snakes used taxpayer dollars to fight in court against a nonprofit trying to remove 27,000 confirmed dead people from our QVF voter roll. If the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they might keep the ballot harvesting laws in place, preventing other people from collecting and delivering your ballot. This is in spite of all the rhetoric about the need to make it easier to vote, setting up unsuspecting Republicans, many of whom have been told Prop 2 made ballot harvesting legal for selective prosecution. Is that why, despite all the rhetoric about having making it easier to vote, the prime pretext for most of the above bills, none of them are designed to legalize ballot harvesting? Interesting. If the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they would fear exposure of these bills to public debate. Is that why you rammed them through, presenting the bills only 24 hours before their committee meetings? with no chance of public review, debate, or feedback from election integrity groups. Lastly, if the Democrats sought to facilitate fraud, they would fear those legislators of either party who might attempt to organize opposition to their bills. Is that why you reportedly limited the time allotted for some committee members to view substitute bills to as little as 75 minutes before the meetings. As I read through and analyzed your election bills from the House and Senate, they made me ill. It's that sick feeling one gets when one realizes there are individuals in high positions of power who have a free hand to do great harm to your state, your nation, and your freedoms. The greatest threat to the survival of our children and grandchildren is systemic election corruption, which this legislation will codify into law. That's right. The Democrats couldn't do it on a national level, so they're doing it at a state level, at least in Michigan, ladies and gentlemen. To Democrat members, your actions provide clarity. More of us than ever before now know, beyond a reasonable doubt, that you are following a coordinated systemic plan to weaken our election security, which itself 
which is itself a matter of state and national security. To members of the Republican caucus, you should be reminded that some of you have over that some of you have over the years and even this year broken ranks to vote with the Democrats. At this crucial juncture, just voting no is not enough. You're expected to speak out forcefully against this assault on our election laws, being remorselessly advanced by your Democrat colleagues. Be okay, that is way too weak. Okay, this writer should have said to the Republican caucus, I have been watching you allow the Democrats to get away with this. I've been watching you work with the Democrats. I would tell the Republican caucus, I've been watching my uh, voting rights being wheedled away and now stripped away with their assistance to the Democrats. I would have totally put this because they've let them do this. They've let them get away with this and they've gone along with it. You know, as far away from Michigan as I am, I can still see that, right? It says in conclusion, to the citizens of Michigan, it's past time we, the people of Michigan, raised up a ragged coalition of downhearted, disillusioned, and disengaged Republicans, impartial independents, and honest Democrats who all share one thing in common. They expect and demand honest elections. We invite voters from these disparate groups to become informed and engaged so that together we can remedy the rampant systemic election corruption that is moving our state and nation rapidly towards ruin. And that was uh, Philip O'Halloran, chairman of Election Integrity Committee, Michigan Republican Party. So that's pretty crazy, guys. Um, I know that was a that I know that was a mouthful and a lot to go through, but to illustrate to us what uh, challenges we're facing for our freedoms, particularly in our sacred right to vote in other states, you may this be reflective of uh, what's not happening in your state. And if it is reflective of what is happening in your state, you know, then we need to come together and uh, forge ideas united uh, to get these things undone or to defeat you. But, you know, at this point, ladies and gentlemen, it's like I said, I don't blame the people of Michigan for this. I, you know how, you know how wrong it would be to sit back and say, it's all your fault, Michigan voters, you get what you deserve. That's not fair because, and I don't care if life isn't fair, right? You know, the point of the matter is their elections are stolen. Okay. Michigan's got one of the most corrupt legislative bodies and governments in this nation, right? I mean, you'd think California, right? Oregon, right? It's all up there with them, okay? But they're corrupt in Michigan. Um, so that is, that's crazy to see, guys, um, that that's what's going on. Uh, prayers up. And if you're in the state of Michigan, and if you're not into letter writing or into uh, phone calling, I would get there quick. Um, not that, not to be cynical, you know, um, not that, that in the face of that type of, uh, of, of a uh, lawmaking body, ladies and gentlemen, I just, I don't know how you could move the needle forward on a situation like that in Michigan. Prayers up for Michigan, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, well, we will definitely be keeping an eye on that one.
All right, guys, that's going to bring us on over to our next elections. Did you hear my jewelry in the background? No, just kidding. I was having a sip of drink. Okay, so uh, let's see what's next. We got the America First Policy Institute on the screen. Oh, look at that. Okay, now, ladies and gentlemen, we've talked about the America First Policy Institute here at the Searport uh, before. You know, I've been a big fan of them, especially when they first came on to the scene, right? You know, whenever these organizations first come onto the scene, they always sound like they are just all about it. Uh, I, I came under some forms of dis disillusionment, ladies and gentlemen, some, uh, some months later, maybe it was a year later, right? When I realized that those who work with the America First Policy Institute really did not have any interest in uh, rectifying or fixing the 2020 election, right? <clears throat> I mean, of course, you know, with a, with a name like America First Policy Institute, you would believe in your heart of hearts that they are going to be working for the America First agenda, which would include President Trump's agenda as well, wouldn't it? I mean, because that's what it was all about, wasn't it? That's what the uh, that's what the chant was. That's what the cheer was. That's what we were working for. That was our credo ladies and gentlemen. So naturally, right? Naturally, America first would seem to fall in line with that. Now, you know, that's not, now that was my, like I said, you guys know I'm picky. Okay. I'm picky, you know, uh, and stuff like that. So, um, with America first policy Institute, let's not, let's not get it twisted. I mean, they basically said, paraphrase, let's move forward from 2020. That was their sentiment. Okay. I, I may forgive, but I'm not going to forget, okay? I may forgive, but I'm not going to forget. Now, and they've also done a lot of work on the election integrity front, you know? I mean, they funded lawsuits. They've backed plaintiffs. Uh, they've done investigations. They've had hearings. It's not like they're not active, but for me, for me, because they choose to do nothing about 2020, they want to look forward. That is a marker for me, right? That's a marker that 2020 elections are a litmus test. Where do you stand, AIPF or APFI or AFPI? Where do you stand? You know, do you think that the elections were fraudulent and rigged and stolen in 2020? Yes or no. Do you think we should fix them? Yes or no. Okay. So, you know, it's always, it's always, uh, it's always a sunny and beautiful day when, uh, you know, an organization will release a report that benefits, you know, people who are fighting to restore this republic and to bring some semblance of true integrity to our elections. Gotta be grateful, ladies and gentlemen. Gotta be grateful for the help that we do get. So with that in mind, uh, the America First Policy Institute uh, recently released a report, ladies and gentlemen, regarding uh, findings in the 2022 midterm elections in Arizona. Now, what did I say? Now, for a stolen election, we're about right on par for the timeline, okay? Five, six, seven, eight months into the election being stolen, everyone's releasing their reports, their findings, etc. We're actually ahead of where we were in 2020 at this time, ladies and gentlemen. So that is a good thing. Now, I think uh, what we need to um, relish in the most in stories like this is that the information's being put down, okay? It's being handed to us. It's being given to us. This is ammunition for us. This is what we need. 
whenever we're out there in our socials or out there in the real world talking about elections and what's been going on and you have people who are still throwing the same mantra, that's a big lie. There is no election fraud. Well, reports like these really do help regardless of whether or not the people will listen. They still exist. Okay. They still exist and they are out there ready for those who are curious enough or honest enough to receive the information. So uh, this was uh, a cover sheet that was released from AFPI, the American First Policy Institute, in regards, again, to the Arizona 2022 elections. Okay, so I think this was one I grabbed off of Twitter. Um, But we're going to look at the actual report here, guys. It's not uh, it's not too long. But it is definitely worth the uh, attention. Okay, because, again, we've got crimes caught on tape in Maricopa County. Right. We've got lawyers caught lying in Maricopa County. Right. We have all we have whistleblowers galore. We have more video footage coming out. All of this while we're getting ready to take it up to the United States Supreme Court. And in all of this, Harris County, Texas is almost going to do a redo of their 2022 elections. Maricopa County, I have a feeling you're right behind us, okay? I have a feeling you're right behind us. Let's take a gander at what uh, the um, America First Policy Institute had to say. What were their findings in this uh, in this um, report? So it's just we're going to go through the we're going to go through the whole thing. Actually, I think I have. I think I have the actual report here too. Uh, oh, here it is. Okay, cool. All right. So research report. Let's go ahead and dig in. We'll go ahead and skip through the top line points because we're going to get to that as we uh, as we dig into this. All right. So introduction. It says, in recent years, several state officials have raised concerns that some ballots could have been counted multiple times in their elections, resulting in more ballots counted than registered voters who voted. Others have raised the question of whether ballots could have been destroyed, resulting in more registered voters who voted than ballots could be counted. Following these concerns, the America First Policy Institute endeavored to conduct a study with a simple goal to match the number, the total number of registered voters listed as voting with the total number of ballots counted in the Arizona 2022 general election. Doing so would enable us to see if the vote totals were consistent or if they were revealed discrepancies. The races for Arizona governor and Arizona attorney general were extremely tight, so we recognize that any discrepancies could have played a role in the outcome. In the attorney general race, just 280 votes divided the Democrat and Republican general attorney, uh, general candidates. Um, we made no attempt to determine if any discrepancies were intentional or accidental. How and for whom voters voted also were not at issue. We were strictly looking to determine whether voters and vote totals were equal. Background and methodology. This study was conducted with a similar methodology employed in an AFPI analysis of the national 2020 general election that found vast discrepancies. AFPI repeated the study for the November 2022 general election to answer our specific study questions about uh, potential voter discrepancies in Arizona. We focused only on the data for the four most populous Arizona counties 
Maricopa, Pima, Pinal, and Yavapai, as well as on smaller populations in tribal communities such as Apache and Coconino. Uh, Coconino, which previous concerns about voting irregularities had been raised. To obtain records of voter data from the general election, AFPI asked county election officers in 100 counties across the U.S., including six in Arizona, for their official tabulations of total ballots counted in the election. We submitted public records requests to these counties to provide us with a list of all voters who voted in the November 8, 2022 general election, including the following fields, voter ID, voter name, registration status, active, canceled, or other, registered address, precinct, and voted in 2020 GE general election, yes or no. The goal of these public records request was to match up the total number of registered voters listed as casting ballots and the total number of ballots counted by precinct in each county. The national report will be published in the summer of 2023. Total ballots counted include all ballots, absentee, mail-in, and in-person. In theory, data should have been easy to retrieve upon request because the Federal Civil Rights Act of 1960 requires the retention and preservation of all election records and papers for 22 months, unaltered. However, in our 2020 national report, only 6% of county election officials and two secretaries of state for the states and counties provided data. In the counties that provided data, we found an average 2.89% discrepancy rate, where either there were more registered voters listed as voting than there were ballots counted, or in other precincts, the reverse. Our national report showed that within days after an election, the counties tended to tell us that they had only fluid or current data files. They explained that this was due to the county updating its voter list for people who had moved or died and due to saving over the original computer file. Presumably, these counties were just sloppy. But data storage is trivially inexpensive and saving a file timestamped on election day would be easy. Yet amazingly, these election bureaus frequently claim they do not archive their data. Due to the previous report's findings on the 2020 general election, we knew that most counties would not keep their data timestamped or keep their files current on everyone who voted in the 2022 election. Accordingly, we alerted the counties we had studied before the November 8, 2022 election to ensure they would keep the election day data this time. After all the counties were notified, we followed up and started contacting the Arizona counties on November 17, 2022, requesting the list of voters who voted in the November 8, 2022 general election. Data findings. After six months of persistence with these Arizona counties, full correspondence in Appendix A, the precinct-level data for the six Arizona counties was received in full. Analysis showed some precincts where uh, there were more ballots being counted than there were registered voters listed as casting ballots, and some precincts where they reverse where the reverse occurred. Across these counties, 6,057 more ballots were recorded as cast than they were registered voters listed as voting. 
In precincts where the reverse was true, 2,184 more registered voters were listed as voting than ballots shown as counted. The results in an this resulted in 8,241 vote discrepancy, or a 0.36% of the total ballots counted. Some may say this is just a small discrepancy, but 0.036% amounts to 29.4 times the 280 vote difference in the Arizona Attorney General race. So that is pretty striking, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm going to pause it right there because what what they're saying here the most that i'm picking up on is that they're having either more voters than ballots cast or they're having more ballots than voters voted okay to the tune of 6000 in one instance and to the tune of 2000 in another instance now we saw something like this happen in collin county texas okay we caught it on video as well and this happened in 2022 now, picture this. Election Day 2022, you are an election worker who is assigned to uh, read the ID cards and uh, watch the person sign their name on the dotted line, right? Check the ID, sign the name, okay? Now, there was one precinct in Collin County that we uh, shared this information on here when it happened, right? And then maybe once after again, where we had on video, the election workers were video cameraing, they were videotaping or recording uh, the uh, tabulating machines. And so uh, as the story goes, you know, at this small precinct in Collin County, uh, you had election workers check in and, and assist about 500 to 600 voters that day, right? When the tabulating machines, uh, when the election precinct closes, the tabulator machine jumps from like five or 600 votes cast to like 15 or 1600. So in this case, you have five to 600 actual voters. And in this case, it was almost a thousand ghost voters that suddenly populated. Okay. So I'm using that in my head as an example to see what they're doing here. They're comparing the um, vote totals of the people they say voted versus the actual amount of ballots in order to get this information. This is something that we see across the board in these United States of America. I don't think it's like something that people really latch onto and try and connect together. But, you know, apparently the America First Policy Institute is planning to release a nationwide study later on this summer, according to this. So they're releasing the Arizona results in this report, but apparently they did reports for the nation. So I guess we'll have to look forward to that report based on this report, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's see what it says next. So now we have some tables that's showing the discrepancies in the report. It says here, table one, discrepancy by precinct between total ballots counted and registered voters listed as actually voting. So if you look at Apache County, they had 429 discrepancies. And we won't go through all of these. We'll just look at you know one or two of them. It says here, total ballots counted um, and total uh, registered voters listed as voting. Okay, 125. And then on the next one, it says total voters registered, total registered voters as voting versus total ballots counted. So that's pretty crazy, right? With a discrepancy of 1.59. So in one instance in Apache County, 125 
um, total ballots versus people who are registered. And in the reverse, we see 304 registered people versus um, 304 ballots that are not. This is pretty crazy. Maricopa County, we're looking in the thousands, right? They had a, they had a total of 2,864 discrepancies, okay, for a 0.18% total, right? Uh, now, which was the one that um, – was it Pinal County that we were dealing with uh, with uh, Abe Hamaday? I think it's either Pinal or Pima, right? So even it was 280 votes that decided that election for Abe Hamaday. And look at these discrepancy numbers here: 1,600, 2,800. That's pretty. That's pretty high, you know. That that here's more. Here's a, yet another piece of information that supports a total redo of the 2022 election in Arizona, right? At this point, we don't even got to claim who the winner is, even though we know Governor Lake is the governor of Arizona, right? But ladies and gentlemen, looking at all of these numbers, you know, they're not, uh, they're not, this is another reason why we can just call for a new election in Arizona, right? Just like they're about to do in Harris County, Texas, Houston, Texas, right? The uh, report says the findings of discrepancies alone is not the end of the story. There are three possible explanations for the discrepancy. First, some voters due to safety concerns, i.e. policemen, firemen, um, excuse me, uh, public uh, servants or individuals in witness protection programs need to conceal their personal information due to threats or other concerns. As a result, their identity uh, including name and address, is hidden. These individuals uh, are considered secured or protected voters. States and localities often use different terminology for th these voters. So for the sake of this report, we refer to them as secured voters. Across these six counties, according to the county election officials, there were 4,078 secured voters that voted in the 2022 general election. By subtracting the secured voters, we excluded Maricopa County. This still leaves a total discrepancy of 4,187. That is a conservative estimate and does not include the numbers for Maricopa County due to their number of 2,888 secured voters, which is 37 votes larger than their discrepancy gap of 2,864 voters. Second, we also learned from Yavapai County's Registrar of Voters Office that the discrepancy might arise for another reason. They explained. If a voter checks in on election day but walks with a uh, walks out with their ballot, does not put it in the ballot box, they will be listed as voted because they signed the register, but there will not be a ballot to tabulate. I do not think this is common, but we do get reports of this happening from poll workers. And I hear it was even more prevalent in Maricopa County because the poll workers did not receive the training telling the voters to check out if they chose not to stay in line and vote after checking in, right? It says, even if every instance of a precinct having more registered voters than ballots counted is a result of this occurrence, the reverse scenario of more ballots counted than registered voters still leaves 2,242 unexplained discrepancies outside of Maricopa County after taking into account the secured voters whose identities were masked. 
That is still eight times the 280 vote margin in the attorney general race. Third, the data we received on who voted in the November 8, 2022 election may not be accurate, even though we requested the list of who voted on that day and the Federal Civil Rights Act of 1960 requires counties to preserve those records for 22 months. Many counties immediately start updating their list of voters after the election and save over their original files. Only two counties, Pima and Pinal, warned us that this might account for part of their discrepancies. But even if the entire discrepancies in Pima and Pinal were due to not having an accurate list of who voted in the election, it would still leave a discrepancy of 688 votes. For column six in table two, that would mean a gap of 320. Again, these numbers are based on several conservative assumptions, but both are still larger than the 280 vote difference in the attorney general race. And uh, then it goes on. See, uh, these are the tables that explain the voter discrepancies. So we're not going to go through those. Okay, so we come to our conclusion. Two possibilities remain. Either there are more votes than registered voters who voted, and that gap is larger than the vote difference in the attorney general's race, or the counties have failed to keep accurate records of who voted in the election. Of course, both may be true. A technologically advanced and democratic society in the digital age should never face discrepancies in its election results or be in situations where more votes are counted than voters. Votes counted should always equal the number of registered voters who voted. So how do we fix this moving forward? The Civil Rights Act of 1960 underscored the importance of retaining Election Day voting records. Election officials in Arizona rightly changed course during the 2022 election after AFPI's reporting brief following the 2020 cycle raised the issue. Pre-filing a discrepancy analysis that highlights the ratio of votes counted to registered voters who voted following the template provided in this report should occur before certifying election results. This process is a way to rebuild trust in elections and provide a receipt to voters. So AFPI is telling Maricopa County basically that they should have a better canvassing process. Is that it? Is that all you're going to suggest, AFPI? Let's see. Election officials and state legislators should follow Ohio's example for modernizing its election laws. This year, the Ohio legislature introduced Landmark Data Act, Senate Bill 7, which will update legal definitions of how it stores election records and adds procedures for how the public can inspect records. Now, I am not familiar with this, so I, don't, I cannot speak to it, guys. I'll just finish reading here. It says these election result records will be open sourced and available for public inspection, helping restore confidence and trust in elections and a practice that was only available by public records request. Open sourcing election records will streamline public records requests and help to alleviate local election officials from the burden of high profile legal demands witnessed during the 2020 cycle. The bill creates a new Office of Data Analytics and Archives within the Office of the Secretary of State to serve as a clearinghouse for the new process and to, uh, to conduct a discrepancy analysis following their elections, just like this report. Creating an open source process to verify if the number of votes counted is equal to the number of registered voters who voted in that election ensures a transparent election process 
Identifying discrepancies early will give election officials clear roadmap on how and where to address wide-ranging issues from potential fraud to inaccurate record-keeping. It's time to modernize our elections and bring uh, how we count votes into the 21st century to make it easy to vote but hard to cheat. Doing so will uh, ensure that everyone who reads this report thinks that the America First Policy Institute really gives a damn about elections in America. We hope you enjoyed this report, right? I mean, it's basically what this report's telling me, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. <laughs> it says, so doing so ensures that all elections, especially close races like those experienced in Arizona and 2022's general election are clear. No recommendations on a redo. Now we get biographies. We get contributors. That's it. That's it. Thank you, America First Policy Institute. You gave us a lot of information. We've already, I mean, thank goodness we have another report. But I mean, come on. What are we, we're, we're stuck in the cycle of share, expose, share, expose. How about do something, America First Policy Institute? So I don't know. I mean, thank you. I'm glad this, this is, this report, I think, well, hopefully it'll go a long way to help Abe Hamaday. I don't know if they'll use it to help Carrie Lake. It definitely doesn't say that we should have a redo of elections in Arizona, right? I mean, this is kind of like an exposing document with no teeth. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks a lot, uh, AFPI. Who is this? This is Vince McMahon's organization, right? His wife, Shannon, runs this, doesn't she? Doesn't she, ladies and gentlemen? Anyways, so real quick, ladies and gentlemen, as we get into closing up today's episode of the C Report uh, lawsuit. So yes, Abe Hamaday and Carrie Lake still involved in lawsuits for uh, their elections in 2022. You know, there's a lot more talk coming up and around the water cooler about Carrie Lake doing a Senate run, right? So, you know, as as I'm getting caught up and tangled in the web of the elite and the not so obvious elite, I'm just watching, ladies and gentlemen, to see what these people are going to be doing. Now, again, to the point of the America First Policy Institute report, um, a lot of information released there. I think if uh, we can take it for what it's worth and we can take it and do with it what we will, I think you know, the Hamaday legal team would be wise to jump on that, ladies and gentlemen, as far as that goes, right? But I don't see any favors happening on the part of the Carrie Lake legal team, uh, ladies and gentlemen, other than the fact that it is showing. But how are they going to act on this, right? Will they act on this information, I think is an even bigger question. Anyhow, ladies and gentlemen, we'll keep an eye on this from Maricopa County. With Phoenix, Arizona, Hamaday and Lake, ladies and gentlemen, still engaged in litigation. Um, and uh, we'll see where they end up. So uh, we're going to go ahead and close today's episode of the Sea Report, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you guys had a great afternoon and enjoyed today's episode. I'm actually going to close it out with a little musical ditty, okay? Uh, because, um, well, you know, we were talking about, uh, Carrie Lake and Maricopa County and we are talking elections, right? So, uh, I just, I hadn't had a chance to play this one yet, but, uh, we'll close off today's episode of the Sea Report with a little musical ditty. 
ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoy today's uh, episode, make sure that you hit the like button. Uh, that will definitely help the show get more exposure in the algorithms. Make sure you hit the follow button. Follow us along over at Spotify or over at your favorite podcasting platform. You can get this episode uh, uh, there as well. Probably be ready a little bit later on this evening. If not, you can also check out our back catalog. Uh, subscribe and follow over at Rumble, Locals, Pilled, Twitch, Odyssey, and the Foxhole.app with great appreciation, ladies and gentlemen. I thank you kindly for being here. I've been your host, Mr. C, and uh, we'll be closing out today's episode with um, that uh, brand spanking new music video from, well, okay, maybe it's not so brand spanking new, right? It's a, it's a brand new music video uh, from Carrie Lake, okay? So, <laughs> because nobody believes that uh, Joe Biden got 81 million votes, right? And I believe that this song is uh, now hitting the top of the charts. It's already at number one, right? Who would have thunk it, right? Carrie Lake at number one on the billboard. You guys enjoy it. And uh, as always, until next time, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. I'll see y'all next time. Take care, America. Love ya. If you would have told me two years ago, three years ago, that I would be in the middle of a political movement, I would have said, put down Hunter's crack pipe. Right now. Right now. I can't afford your gas. It's by inflation cross the nation. 81 million votes my ass. Hey, 81 million votes my ass. You failed and fell back better. Your middle finger, the middle class. They pissed off an already pissed off woman. 81 million votes my ass. Crime was committed in broad daylight. 121st day of publicly transitioning. We're living on planet crazy. Got a laptop full of China. Hookers and blows and crack. And the diaries got creepy Joe in the shower. 81 million votes my ass. Hey, 81 million votes my ass. Guacamole tosses word salads.
he had the swamp going after him and he was still getting stuff done. And now we have stumbling, bumbling Joe. I miss the bull in the china shop. I miss the mean tweets. I miss Donald Trump. 81 million votes. My ass. Who's going to win the American election? Give me a name. Donald Trump. <gasps> wow. So wow. Somebody is going to run a 30-second sizzle reel showing Mr. Biden falling down. Totally agree. 